So, today we are continuing our series called Refreshed. And because, listen, I believe that with everything that's going on right now, there is a ton of people, and in fact, a ton of us that have actually been stressed. We've been tired, we've been stressed, uh, we, because there's been constant change, I mean, like you never know what next week's gonna hold, and it's more than ever before. I mean, there are times where it seems like it will never end. And for a lot of us right now, that is the way that life feels. And that's why we wanted to go into this series called Refreshed, because we can use a little refreshing. And I think that a lot of us, you know, uh, there, there's not enough sleep to, to make us refreshed. We can't take enough time off to get refreshed. And it seems like a never-ending hunger for refreshment within our lives. And so I have discovered some keys, some things that have really helped me to rise above all the stuff around me, that I could take a deep breath in the spirit and actually feel refreshed. And so last week, we actually talked about that that requires us to, to get a different perspective, that the eagle has two separate lenses that it can use to see in different conditions. And so we went through the Word of God, and we found out that we do live in a natural world, and we can see everything that's going on in that natural realm. And sometimes that stuff becomes so real to us, so overwhelming, that we forget that there is a whole different perspective in the kingdom of God, that we can have what we called the eagle eye, that we could see things from the kingdom of God from a high perspective, that we could see the big picture, that all of our troubles in this life, they're momentary, but the things that are unseen in this life are eternal. So the theme scripture for this series is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those that put their hope in the Lord will renew, refresh their strength. And then it gives us this beautiful picture of how it's gonna happen. It says, they will soar on wings like eagles. And that's what we want, is that we wanna put our hope in the Lord, change our perspective that we can become refreshed, that our strength will continually be renewed day by day by day. And so we're going to continue discovering how to walk in this refreshing, how to stay refreshed, that as we run a race and as we walk through this life. And so we've been using this beautiful picture of eagles to actually help us put handles on this idea that God gives us, that our strength can constantly be renewed, refreshed. So continuing to look at the eagle as an example, the eagle's biggest enemy is actually the condor. The, the, they are the two most powerful birds in the air, the eagle and the condor. And every time the condor will win, however, we gotta realize that the condor is actually the biggest bird in the air. So just like the lion, you don't have to be the biggest to be the king. So the condor actually despises the eagle. They are actually mortal enemies. And when a condor catches an eagle in mid-flight, he will actually wrap his claws and his wings, which are bigger and heavier than the eagles, he will wrap up that eagle and just drop to the sky so that he can bring the eagle out of his perspective and power play, or PowerPoint to the ground. Because he knows the only way he can defeat an eagle is to bring him all the way to the ground to rob him of his perspective. My friends, if the enemy can get you down and he can keep you down, it's only a matter before we're defeated. It's the truth. And so listen, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get me down, he wants to get you down, he wants to keep us down. 
because that's the only way that he can defeat us. And so the way he does that is what I want to talk about today is how to rise above your emotions. We're going to talk about a fairly serious topic, and I want to talk a little bit about depression and mental illness that keeps us down. It seems like it's showing up everywhere. And I'll say right off, I'm not an expert, I'm not a counselor, I'm a pastor, but I'm going to bring you God's word today. But I'll tell you a few things that I've learned before we get into God's word. Depression, it is a mood disorder characterized by the inability to feel pleasure anymore. And there are things that used to bring you pleasure that don't anymore. There's extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt and helplessness, hopelessness. And as I put together this list, I just realized that, you know what, a lot of us, in fact, all of us have gone through something on this list, that we've got things that we have to deal with in our lives that relate to depression. Statistics say one out of every nine people are on some type of depression medication, and one out of five people have been on, at some point, on some type of depression medication. And if that is you, you need to keep on that medication until you work out with your doctor that you're okay to come off of that. But I think one of the problems is for us is that there is a stigma on this type of disorder. If I told you today I'm overcoming, you know, the flu or I broke my arm, you never think less of somebody that was trying to overcome an illness or something that happened to them. But if I tell you I'm overcoming mental illness, wow, it's like we, we seem to think there's something wrong with them. It's a stigma. And I'm telling you that that has to be removed from our thinking within the church. And we have to be careful because it is not a sin to struggle. Jesus struggled with this. Paul struggled with this. But the illness is not your identity. You don't have to stay in this. I'm telling you that everybody, look, all of us that come to church that are, that are within a congregation, we all put on our best. But sometimes we create this false image that we're people that have it all together. And you and I both know that within ourselves, that's not true. Listen, it's okay for us not to be okay at times. Now, you can't stay there. But if we don't understand and look those things in the eye, we can't get better. And I'm telling you that if you're here and you're trying to decide, maybe you're not sure if you want to be a Christian yet, you're kicking the tires, look, you need to know that Living Word is a place where we've all got a few loose screws here. I mean, we've all got some hangups and some of us just got in the spiritual hospital ahead of you. But we're all letting God deal in our hearts and and within ourselves about certain things. And what I want to do is create an environment where it's somewhat normal to at least express what's going on on the inside of us. Because if you don't think it's okay to not be okay, you're going to hide it. And that's where a lot of the problems come in. That's where we get drugged to the ground. So we got to ask the question, what's going on on the inside? Why do we find ourselves sometimes in this situation? But the good news is that God's word gives us hope in this situation. And so I want to bring to you some of God's thoughts on this. And I want you to know that God is not silent on the the subject. He understands. And in fact, a lot of the Bible and even some of the great people in the Bible went through some very dark and depressing times. In fact, this might make you feel better. There's a whole book of the Bible about this called Lamentations, where Jeremiah just shared a whole book of the Bible on depression. 
And the Apostle Paul, even he said to the Corinthians, he said, look, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. This is something I'm going through about the troubles that we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our, our ability to endure. It was more than they could endure, they felt like, so that we were despaired of life itself. I mean, they despaired of life itself. It was like, I just felt like I needed to end my life. And one of my goals in this particular marriage today, or message today, is to say that it's okay. It's real. We understand. We don't think it's strange that you're going through this if you're going through it. And we want to bring it to the forefront, and we want to be okay with talking about it. And I want to share with you a pretty famous story in the Bible of a guy named Elijah. In 1 Kings chapter 18, what had happened was Elijah had had one of the most major victories in the whole Bible. He was in front of 400 enemies, prophets of the devil, Baal. And they had this huge God face-off. And basically, Elijah said, look, you worship your God, I'll worship my God. We'll both create some sacrifices, and let's just see whose God is better, whose God is bigger. And so the prophets of Baal, they, they did their sacrifices, they made altars, they prayed, and nothing happened. And then Elijah said, hey, here's my sacrifices, and here's my altar, dunk it all in water. Make it to where it won't even burn naturally. And then he prayed, and the fire of God came from heaven and consumed the whole thing. And then, with the sword, he killed 400 prophets of Baal by himself. It was like Rambo. It was, it was a major victory. But then, right on the heels of that, we get chapter 19. See, he had a highest of highs in 18, and he went to his lowest of lows in 19. And by the way, there's a lesson in that too. Sometimes your lowest of lows, sometimes they come right after your highest of highs. And so in chapter 19, here's what happened. Ahab, the King Ahab, went and told his wife Jezebel, and she was a horrible human being, but he told her everything that Elijah had done, how he killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sends a message to Elijah saying that, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow you are not as dead as they are. She was mad. And so after he had already had this victory with the 400 prophets of Baal, he lets one woman's threat scare him to this point of depression. He was afraid and he ran for his life. Isn't that interesting? After the highest of highs. And then when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He said, look, I need to be alone right now. And that was the last thing that he needed at that moment. And so while he was with himself a day's journey, so he was like far from anybody who could help him, it says that he came to a broom brush. Now that's just a tree that could provide some shade for him. And he sat down under it and he prayed, listen to this, he prayed that he might die. He was suicidal. He just said, I have had enough. And that's some of our theme verse right there is we've had enough. And so he goes to the point of saying, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So here's Elijah. He's flying high. God has showed up on his behalf. He's flying like an eagle. He's taken out all of his eagle. And suddenly this condor of depression grabs a hold of him and drags him to the ground of depression. Changes his whole perspective on everything. He has allowed his emotions to master him. And I see four quick things that we can learn from this text that I want to give you. Number one is simply he had faulty thinking. A lot of times we get in our minds, we have self-talk, negative self-talk that's going on. We start lying to ourselves. We just rehearse the negative over and over and over. 
And Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, memorable. If anything is praiseworthy, we should think on those things. And if we do those things, we can reverse our thinking. And we, we can do that by coming to church, what you're doing now, listening to the word of God, the wisdom of God, God's peace. If we do that, God's peace will be with us and we can rest in that. The second thing that he did was he isolated himself. And some of you all, you've isolated as well. Yeah, you're next to somebody maybe, but you know you can do that and still be lonely. You could be around people and still have a loneliness on the inside. And maybe you're not lonely relationally, but, but you sometimes have gotten lonely in your thoughts. See, the only person that you're listening to is you. And I want to tell you, you're the last person you should be taking advice from whenever you're not feeling right. Look, you can't trust yourself in that moment that emotions, they will lie to us. They lie to us. And you can't listen to that. You can't isolate yourself. And that's why we talk so much about meetups, that you need to be around other believers, another believer, and share openly with them, getting prayer. And when you do that, you can watch God bring healing to your life. Watch this. In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Did you see that? Yeah, we confess our, our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to each other for healing. And if you need healing, you're going through depression or hard times, you need people in your life. You need to have people in your life that you can talk to because that's going to bring healing. And we have to have somebody in our life that knows our secrets. Look, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. You don't have to tell everybody. In fact, you shouldn't tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Somebody needs to know what you're thinking about. And I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about a relationship with somebody. And meetups are great for that. You see, the purpose for a meetup is so that you can meet people and get enough comfort around them to where we can take our masks off. And you could say, look, nobody knows, but... And listen, when somebody, when you tell people that, you're gonna find out that they think they're the only one. And you're gonna realize, we're gonna realize that we've all got things that we're going through. And when we share that with other people, the Bible says we'll be healed. In fact, the Bible even says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, watch this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. We don't want that. But two can stand back to back and conquer. You see, you've gotta have somebody back to back for you, with you because you can't see what's behind you. You can only see what's in front of you. And you need somebody that can tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, look over here. And there's something different over here that you're not seeing. We need somebody that's got our back. So that colloquialism that we have, that I've got your back, that actually came from the Bible, that somebody's going to have your back. And if somebody has your back, then you will conquer, the Bible says, conquer the devil, your negative emotions. And then it says three are even better. That's why we're talking about meetups, being a group. Look, we need each other. We are better together. We need this. And then it says a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And that's why we continually tell you about meetups because it could save your life. And the third thing that Elijah did was that he was led by his feelings. He got there and he trusted the wrong thing. And I'm going to tell you once again, your feelings will lie to you. Emotions are like waves. They crash, but then they'll leave. And, and so like, for instance, if you base your marriage on emotions, like, oh man, I'm just in love with her. I'm infatuated with her. But trust me, 
that feeling is leaving at some point. And all the married people understand what, what I'm talking about. You can't build a marriage on roses and cho- chocolate. You build it on, on commitment regardless of emotions. I mean, they sure are fun when they're there, but we don't build our lives on them. We build our lives on fact, on truth, and the truth of God's word. Look, look at this in Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God that we build is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, your mind, will, and emotions, and the word, and the, your spirit, which is God's. That it's sharp, that it penetrates. The word of God will judge our hearts and our th- attitudes. And I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but we are reading through the Bible, the one-year Bible. And we're reading through the Bible in a year, and it has an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalms, and a Proverbs. And based upon how much time you have, maybe you only have enough time for the New Testament passage. Or or the Proverbs, it's like one or two sentences. We've all got time for that. But we've got to get God's Word in our life, and then the truth will set us free. And so if you want to jump in on our reading plan, just go to lwfc.org, the number one, and your Bible. And then the next thing he says is that I'm no better than my ancestors. Why do we do that? Compare ourselves with other people. I mean, with social media, look, we're comparing our miserable lives with their highlight reel, our miserable moments. Because nobody puts on Instagram, look, what a wreck my house is. This is horrible. Nobody does that. They take pictures of kitchen remodels that that you can't afford and probably they can't afford. But that's the truth. Look, Nobody's life is as good as it looks on Instagram, not even mine, right? You follow me? Trust me, it's not that pretty all the time. And so, look, we cannot get, we can't just look at this stuff and say, look, I'm not as good as them. I want what they have. No, you only have one person that you need to please, and that is your heavenly Father. And as soon as you make Him your audience, that you live for an audience of one, Look, Paul said it this way in Galatians 1.10. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't have them both. You can't serve God and be a people pleaser at the same time. And so back to Elijah, as much of an eagle as he was, as much as he was flying high one moment, that condor grabs him and it drags him to the ground but God didn't want him to stay there. And he doesn't want you or me to stay there either. And so the rest of that story goes like this. He laid down under that broom bush and he wanted to die. And it says that the angel of the Lord came to him and, wanted, and ministered to him. And anytime you see the angel of the Lord, in the, not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, that was actually the personhood of Jesus before he was born as a man here on this earth and had an earthly body. He manifested himself as what the Old Testament calls the angel of the Lord. It was the only angel that would allow men to worship him. And so we get an understanding of that, that this was actually Jesus. And he shows up in Elijah's moment of need and ministers to him. And I'm here to tell you that when you're in your darkest moment, you've got to look to God. You've got to put your hope in Him because He is there for you to help you and to minister to you, to refresh you. And He told us in a parable that if we look for Him, we seek Him, we'll always find Him. I mean, just share your heart with Him. See, Elijah, he shared a lot of nonsense to God and God didn't condemn him for it. 
it's important for us to understand that we can pour our heart out to God. God can handle your mess. He can handle your complaining even. He can even handle your self-lies. Look, we don't, here at the church, we don't need your perfection. We don't all have it all together. You can get into your meetup and you can say, hey, everybody, guess what? And pour your heart out. Look, if you keep it all inside, I'm telling you that the devil's going to take advantage of you. He is going to wrap around you and drag you to the ground. And so then the angel of the Lord led him to Mount Horeb where he went into a cave. And God came in the form of an earthquake, a fire, and a violent wind. And he showed his power and his greatness to them, to him. But then he came in a gentle, small voice. And the Bible says that God was found not just in the bigness, but also in that quiet, singular moment as well. And so he experienced the power, but also the presence of God. And look, we work really hard at Living Word to create environments, and our team spends a lot of time to create environments where you can experience the presence and the power of God as well as the still small voice of God. And the best way for you to do this on your own is that you've got to create environments in your life every day where you experience God. And look, you've got to make time for God. You've got to shut off all the world's volume in order to hear God's still small voice. You've got to turn off the world's volume. For me, it's nature. I go out into the woods or sometimes when I, when I can, I go up into the mountains and it allows all of the volume of the world. It just goes away. And I can focus on that still small voice. I can close my outer eyes and open my inner eyes and be still and know that He is God in my life. And I can put my hope in Him that I can be refreshed and renewed like on eagle's wings. So after he experiences God in this kind of way, God begins to give him some marching orders. And he says, look, I want you to go and anoint this king and I want you to go anoint that king. And I've got a guy named Elisha who is going to actually be your protege and I want you to go and anoint him, build a relationship with him. I need you to mentor somebody else with what you have. And look, I don't know of anything that brings more meaning to life than when God says, hey, I've got an assignment for you. You have a purpose. I want you to get your eyes off of yourself and begin to think about, man, you know, my life, it exists for somebody else's benefit. And when you realize that, man, it'll change everything for you. You see, we don't just have opportunities for you to join a team or to volunteer or to do outreach. We don't encourage you to mentor other people just for us. That's for you. And so I wanna encourage you that although at one point you may have been soaring high like the eagle, but right now, or there is gonna be a place in your life where that condor tries to drag you to the ground where you don't have any perspective. And life may even seem at times that it's not even worth living, like what Elijah went through, like what Paul went through. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane went through this. And so I just wanna tell you that your hope, it's in the, it's in the Lord. And if we can learn from the mistakes of Elijah, look, we've got to fix our faulty thinking and we have to found it on the word of God. We can't keep ourselves isolated. We got to get in a meetup, create relationships, find somebody that we can tell our secrets to. We have to stop being led by our feelings. We can't control them. They come and go, but realize that they do. They also go, but don't make decisions off of your feelings and out of your emotions. And we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other people, but let Jesus minister to us in the big moments, but also in the small moments.